Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Pete and Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the... Uh well, the master of the amazing. Uh, it's amazing that we're able to get out and about here, finally start uh, patronizing those restaurants, having a brewski outside or at a bar. Uh, of course, we're still practicing social distancing, but, you know, I mean, gosh, we just got to get out. We got to exercise. We got to we got to eat right. We got to f- be nice. We got to we got to support our, our community. Uh, I live in a little town called West Seattle and I live in North Admiral and uh, we've got one, two, we've probably got eight restaurants there. And I'm concerned. Uh, I do my best to support them, um, uh, but takeout's not never enough. And of course, uh, um, the cool thing is that cocktails are available. <laughs> Let's hope that sticks around. That'd be pretty cool. Um, you know, whatever I, you would think that the government wants that because they tax the heck out of liquor, <laughs> and of course businesses. But that's uh, I digress. Hey, folks, uh, now it's summertime, and as you know, all these great wine events that are used to are you used to out there have been canceled, except. Uh, you know, here in Seattle, Seafair is gone, but you can get out there. Go take a road trip. Go take a road staycation and go to Lake Chelan. I haven't been to Lake Chelan in years. Uh, my college buddy, my best friend from college, one of them, uh, grew up in Chelan, so we used to hang out there back in 1983, 4, 5, 6. Yeah, good old times. Um, and this changed a lot. It's called Wine Country now. It used to be Apple Country, but now it's Wine Country. And uh, I've got one of the cool cats in Wine Country there in Lake Chelan. Shane Collins is the director of winemaking, or the winemaker, for Rocky Pond. And he's online. We're going to talk about his journey, some of the wines, and what's going on there in Lake Chelan. Hey, Shane Collins, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. Good to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. So are you a Washingtonian? Absolutely. I'm actually from Lake Chelan. Are you really? You're a goat? I'm a Trojan, so Manson up the road about. Ah, uh, okay. Well, hey, you know, let's let's. I get it. You're infringing upon. You want to be a Manson Lake Schland. It's like <laughs> you're pending that, your. That is- <laughs> Your name. That is true. My my mom's a goat. My dad's a Trojan. Okay. So, All right. Uh, but I am I am from these soils. Very good. Um, and how did you uh, how did you get into wine? Uh, it was a long journey. Uh, I mean, when I was a little kid, I sipped wine on my mother's lap on our 1980s. Uh, I don't even know what the material was recliner, uh, and I remember that Nagahide. Fran- yeah, Franzia and box wines. Uh, the good stuff. Um, I, I don't know if that's where I got a taste for it, but uh, <laughs> it was in college. I'm a grad of WSU, and I didn't go to the wine program there, but uh, I started drinking wine there when I was 22. A buddy of mine, John, um, it was a Riesling, and it was a sweet Riesling from Columbia Winery. Uh, it was right before Thanksgiving in 2001, and we had it, and it was kind of like, oh, this is this is cool. This is interesting. This is something different than kind of everything else we were drinking over there. Schmitty. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bush Light, the good stuff. All right. Um, and uh, so I came back and uh, for that Thanksgiving, and my mom and I were able to find that same wine here locally. Uh, and uh, it was kind of through that that I really got into wine, and then after I went back after the new year, which would have been now in 2003, I kind of stopped drinking beer and started drinking a lot of uh, magnums from South America. They used to be able to get at the liquor stores when we used to have the state-run ones. From uh, South America? 
South America, yeah. It was Argentina, Chile. Uh, it was just red blends, probably a lot of Malbec, but it was. Uh, they had them in the in the liquor stores there in Pullman, and it was just bulk, you know, red wine. Argentina uh, or South it, America? Uh, I'm not sure. I uh, I can't remember the actual okay. relations or, that were on the labels. <laughs> I was, was surprised. Magnum's a South African wine. That that that'd be some ambitious placement for some wine guy. Hey, liquor board. Maybe they had a friend or something. They they got a trip yeah, to was, South Africa. That's what it was. It was uh, well, it was South America. Oh, uh, South like, America. There we go. In Argentina. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was value price, so it was like seven ninety nine magnums. So I was drinking a lot of that, and slowly moved into California stuff. But that was where I was kind of finishing up my degree in broadcasting. Was enjoying wines, or at least wines that I. You went to were, the media uh, school, the uh, what is it, Edward, uh, Edward, R. Murrow Edward R. Murrow School of Communications. Yeah, you know, I'm a communication man. I'm a communication guy too, out of Washington. We got no respect. There's always this Edward R. Murrow thing out of Wazoo, and like you know, I I know all the people. I know uh, what you got, Eric here, and you got uh, Margot Myers, all these Wazoo grads. Well, good for you. Did you ever get on behind a mic? Uh, I had a uh, radio show on the College Network uh, that wasn't actually broadcast, but you could run it through uh, coaxial, so they could pick it up in the dorms. Oh, right. Um, so I did that, and then I actually directed and produced some shows on Cable Eight. Hey, hey! Uh, the TV, the TV show there. Uh, and uh, honestly, I had no idea uh, University of Washington had a. Uh, oh, look at you! Listen to you! <laughs> Come on, we're the we're the, t- the t- tenth largest media hub here in Seattle. <laughs> of course, we do. Well, everybody I know works over in that area for Como and Cairo. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and Q13. Well, tell me, where did you um, live at Wazoo, Washington State University? I should say. Uh, uh, when I was when I started there, I lived in the dorms. I lived in Simpson, uh, and then I lived off campus in a variety of places. Uh, my last few <laughs> years there, I lived I lived around Greek Row. Uh, right. I wasn't Greek, but had a lot of friends in that, and uh, lived about a block from the Coog. Uh, oh yeah, uh, my my second senior year. Nice. So. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Uh, this is great. And so, what was your? Did you? You said you're drinking wine, doing magnums. You're kind of getting mm-hmm. the wine bug. When was the first wine you you actually thought was Really good. I mean, like this is different than what I was Franzia and jug wine from the from the liquor store. Um, that would have been probably in oh oh three. My mom and I went down to Red Mountain and the Yakima Valley uh, in the fall of oh three. I was uh, here and I'd actually started working for uh, two local wineries. They were the first ones in the area, Wapo Point Cellars and Lakeland Winery. Yep. They were opened by by family friends of ours, uh, the Clutes. Clutes, and, yeah, uh, and my buddy Johnny, who's K-L-O-U-D-T, a winemaker, K L O U D T, Clute, needed uh, needed some help, so I, in the sales department in the tasting room, so I helped him a little bit, and uh, and I, the wines at that time, the wines have come a long way in this valley in Washington. I remember the, some of the wines I had um, down in the lower valley, but it was really um, it was <laughs> it was Kiona's, I think it was the two thousand one Lemberger. Lemberger, really fun. Uh, really fun. They had some cab sobs. There was. Uh, we went to Terra Blanca. We went to Hyatt. Uh, we went to. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the name, but it's where Treveri produces their wine now. Sagelands. Sagelands. That was there at that that time. Um, so some of those places uh, that I was like, this stuff's definitely better than the wine I was drinking uh, at Wazoo. Definitely better than the stuff that I had uh, on my mom's lap. And it was kind of that fall. <laughs> and then the next summer of '04, I worked again at the winery. Uh, was wrapping up at WSU. I graduated. I spent quite a few years there. I graduated in the winter <laughs> quarter of 2004. Why leave? It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I actually lived there for an extra semester until I moved down to Walla Walla. Uh, and then I went to the wine program there starting in 05. Oh, you did? In the, uh, 
Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so I went back to back to school, Ronnie Dangerfield style, and did did another two years at the uh, Walla Walla Institute for Enology and Viticulture, and it was probably there that I got exposed sure. to the, the best wines I've had to date uh, through guys like Stan Clark, who uh, who's passed away since, uh, but he was our first mentor. He was kind of one of the earlier guys of Washington wine, definitely not of the course. first, but yeah, uh, Stan Clark, a lot of respect, yeah. Uh, and then through uh, Miles Anderson, but then it was my connections. Uh, I actually knew a guy at WSU. I got a minor in music, and uh, you might wow. know him, uh, doc- Dr. Alan Busaka. He was a soil. Oh, player. Al Busaka, of course. Uh, yeah, but him and I took uh, ensemble choir class together. Uh, so for two years, we <laughs> sang together in University Singers, uh, and it was through kind of some connections he had with St. Michelle doing consulting work. That they got me set up with uh, a new project of theirs or a new lease, I guess, when they kind of took over Spring Valley. Right. Uh, and working, working for Serge and getting exposed to his wine cellar. And then he hung out with Christophe Barone. And then my buddy Andrew Lotta uh, did a stint with uh, Kay, Kay Vintners for a while. So had a taste of great wines with Charles Smith uh, back then. And it was through that group. And it was actually Andrew Lotta who came, who was a sommelier. He, he was, like, working in Thailand. But him and our buddy Justin Baggert, who worked for Reiniger for a long time. Those guys just had an immense knowledge uh, at the time. I, I felt really ignorant, and I was a farm kid from central Washington, and these guys were worldly. They traveled, uh, uh-huh. and some of the wines they were tasting were like, I was like, they, I was blown away by them, but also was blown away by uh, the price they were paying for these wines <laughs> when we were still in college. I uh, just was like, I don't know how they, uh, how they afforded that. That's them calling you right now. See, they heard that, and they're saying, hey, don't give away our secrets. They had the, uh, the special deal. Maybe they're buying all the counterfeit stuff. I don't know. I'm just kidding. That's pretty cool. You know, The best way to taste the greatest wines in the world are when other people share them with you. I think that's the coolest part. Uh, speaking with Shane Collins, the uh, winemaker for Rocky Pond. Now, Shane, you... Uh, you took some classes. You got your two-year your uh, winemaking viticulture. Is it an associate's degree or what's it called? Certificate in viticulture and winemaking or what? It's technically an uh, uh, agricultural or applied agricultural degree, an AA in ag science. All right, with, ag um, science with with firm, uh, certi- certificates in viticulture and fermentation science. <laughs> Excellent, I love it. Now, um, you your first wine job was where? Uh, the first wine job technically like for production. Sure. Yeah, I mean, when you became, first time you made wine. First time I made wine was in the fall of 05, working for Spring Valley. Wow. Uh, and worked for Spring Valley from 05 to 07. Worked for College Cellars while I was there as well, mm-hmm. um, which was the school. Uh, sure. They had employees, so I worked there for Stan and Mike Moyer, who was the uh, wine instructor at the time. Um, but those were the first places. Um, then I in the summers... I went out and worked uh, in the vineyards down there for uh, some of the bigger guys that got exposed to uh, Covey Run, Columbia Crest, uh, worked. Uh, so some of the wineries we were, or excuse me, some of the vineyards those wineries were sourcing from were uh, Red Willow Vineyard, Safe sure. Lands, Bacchus, all the wine boughs. So right. uh, we used to drive from Benton City, which is north of Pasco, all the way out to Wapato, uh, past there to go to Red Willow Vineyard. Uh, and it would take us all day you know, doing vineyard, various vineyard tasks. Wow. Uh, and that's. Those are some of the first places. And then I came back here to where I'm from in uh, 2007. Didn't think I'd come right. Didn't think I'd come back here right away. Uh, but uh, the winemaker at Chelan Cellars at the time, Peter Devison, who I'm sure you know has got his own label now. That was him? Devison, I but, didn't uh, know that. Well, was, Peter went to yeah. uh, DeLille, didn't he? Or Ephesti. Ephesti. Yeah. yeah. And he worked, 
he worked uh, there, but he uh, he got me to interview. He, he wanted me to uh, send him his resume. Uh, we knew some same people who had some other wineries here in town. Um, so I was kind of reluctant, but I did. And then I came up for a series of interviews and ended up taking the job and uh, worked at Chelan Cellars for a year. And then uh, Peter moved on. I worked a little bit with an Australian uh, consulting uh, winemaker who I learned a lot about, a lot of uh, about white winemaking. Really? Uh, but I worked there from 2007 till 2010 and became the head winemaker on August 29th, 2008. Uh, and did that for almost 10 years until I came on with Rocky Pond in the summer. Wait, of so 2000, you became the head winemaker in 2010? 2008. 2008. But you had consultants? One year. Sure. Yes. And you spent yeah, 10 vintages sure. there with uh, T-S-I-L-L-A-N, Salan? Chalanto is correct. Uh, and the, our main consultant for that whole time was a guy named Gordy Hill. Uh, sure, Gordy. Uh, yeah, everybody knows Gordo. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember yeah, what was he was he Hogue at the beginning or was he Co- uh, He was Saint Michelle. Saint Michelle. Long, long time. Yeah. Stimson Lane worked there in Grandview with the some of the original Washington concrete vats, you know, that the size of a bunker. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then he started uh, North Star. Uh, worked for oh, that's right. For that's while. where it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Hey, folks, speaking with yeah. Shane Collins, and now he's the winemaker at Rocky Pond Winery, which is located in, in Lake Chelan. Which, where are you? How far away are you from Chelan Winery? The winery is about 25 minutes south, uh, down on the way to Orondo. Okay. Uh, south of Chelan. But we have a vineyard in Chelan that we call Clocheval. Uh, it's in the Lake Chelan AVA. And then down on the river, we have Double D Vineyard, which is about five miles further north than where the actual winery is. But the production facility is technically in Orondo, uh, yeah, down there off the Skeels Road, not too far from the Desert Canyon Golf Course. All right. Well, that sounds like a, a nice little road trip uh, this summer or fall. Um, and how many acres of vines are planted in Chelan? Uh, there's about 200. Well, there's a lot of uh, home home guys yeah. and gals. But uh, in production, commercial vineyards, I believe our last survey was about 200 and 74 acres. Wow. And th- there's probably room for th- thousands of acres, right? Absolutely. We just got to convince the apple guys to pull them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a Johnny Appleseed or something like that or a Johnny Grapeseed. Hey, folks, stick it around. I got Shane Collins, winemaker for Rocky Pond right here. We've got Morved Rosé, a Stratostone Red Blend, and a Syrah coming up next on Happy Hour Radio. <laughs> Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, Washington. I've got three, well, I should say I got three bottles, three glasses. And this is only segment two. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I got one cool cat, Shane Collins. Winemaker for Rocky Pond Winery, and he spent ten years at the uh, Chelan Winery, the one with the T S I L L A N, and uh, a very uh, is an Italian esque kind of uh, Mediterranean uh, feel. I haven't yet been there. I've s- driven by it, but I haven't actually uh, set foot on that property. I, I'm sure it's beautiful. Let's talk about Rocky Pond. Um, how long has Rocky Pond Winery been around? Uh, we were started in 2012. Um... Yeah, David, uh, he actually, him and Michelle, purchased a Clocheval vineyard from the Colmeyers, who uh, who farmed it for a long, for 30-some years in apples, and then converted into grapes in, like, 2004, 2005, uh, put about 30 acres of vineyards in there. And I think their first step 
uh, from my understanding, is they bought Clocheval, and uh, as they were kind of falling in love uh, with wine and property <laughs> on the river yes. as well. Uh, very romantic, very seductive, very entrancing uh um, this whole idea, you know, I, I get it. They probably were there in the summertime. It's nice and warm. And just thinking, oh, boy, honey, wouldn't this be great? And it is great. It's quite the lifestyle. Although um, this COVID thing has certainly set uh, reset the clock, so to speak, uh, reset everything. Um, but that's pretty cool. Who was the first winemaker? That was Ron Bunnell? Uh Yes. Uh, Ron made the wine here from the beginning. And they got connected with him uh, because I'm not sure how they met Jim McFerrin, but Jim McFerrin's been in the industry forever. And he was their vineyard consultant. Ah. Uh, so and so, uh, Jim knew Ron through working in the industry. I know they both worked at Chateau Saint Michel at the same time back uh, probably thirty years ago. Well, maybe not that long. <laughs> yeah, about thirty years ago. Uh, and uh, and Ron makes some phenomenal wines. I love Brunel Family Cellar wines. Yes, nice people, him and Susan. They got, of course, Wine O'Clock, the pizza place there in Prosser. All right, let's jump into your wines, pal. Uh, these are twenty nine, the twenty nineteen Morved Rosé. Is that you? That is me. Awesome. Um, this is one of the best rosés in the state. Uh, when I made rosé, I had 85% Morved and 15% Sanso. I think it's the, the, to me, that's the best combination. I'm not a big Grenache fan. I think Grenache is a little too fleshy, even though lots of great wines have Grenache. As a winemaker that I made, I, I really dig the fact that you made it out of Morved. Now, did you, it tastes like you hung it. You, you grew it for rosé. Uh, we did. Uh, and every rosé I've made since 2010... Uh, I, I I do it for rosé. I'm hanging a little bit heavier of a crop. Yeah, that's uh, great. I'm it a little bit early, but I'm trying to I'm trying to capture a lot of that acid. I know. Uh, my first few vintages were all Saunier, and they were okay. But once I right. discovered how to make them the other way, I've never turned back. <laughs> exactly, because it's purity. It's like you did it. There's you know there's the problem with rosés and, and Saunier is that there was we were always correcting it. But when you grow it for rosé, that's your one shot. And um, I think this has got beautiful acidity. There's that just a touch of malic there, right, which keeps it bright. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not overly uh, acidic. Of course, I'm tasting at room temperature, so I'm sure what's great about it is that it's super just delicious, quafferable, st- strawberry, raspberry-esque with just a hint of, I don't know, I don't, there's a hint of white pepper or um, uh, garam marsala or curry. There's just some sort of note there that makes me think um, spice. Yep. Pretty tasty. Is this 20 bucks? Uh, $24. $24. Uh, one, of, I, one of our two tasting rooms. I like that it screws up. You got two tasting rooms, one in Chelan and one in Woodenville, correct? Correct. All right. Very cool. Um, that's a fantastic wine. Really love it. Uh, congratulations on finally showing Washington that. I mean, there's a few producers I really dig, but rosé is that thing. Look, if you get rosé and you can make a good one, you're top notch. Uh, next wine is the 2017 Stratostone Double D Vineyard Columbia Valley. Yep. So this is our GSM blend. Uh, and with this wine, we were making the Stratostone before I came on board. So this was a wine that Ron Bunnell was making. Uh, so I continued it. I really liked the GSM. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I worked before, we grew Syrah and Grenache, but we didn't make Moved. And Rhones are popular. I'm really excited about Rhones, and I was super excited to make this wine. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Um, critics have uh, loved it as well, and I'm really happy. This was my first vintage uh, making red wine for Rocky Pond. And uh, that vintage is 2019? 2017. This is your wine, too? Wine. So these are all your wines? Yeah. I yeah, didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't give you wine. I didn't make. Well, I, I just didn't realize you were there that long. Gosh, what happened? Mm-hmm. Boy, oh my god, that means you're old now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, delicious wine. Um, have you? Have you? Uh, 
gone out. It's this Columbia Valley. So this is one vineyard. And how old is Double D Vineyard? Uh, the oldest stuff at Double D is 2013. So this all came out of the 2013 plantings. Oh, uh, the fourth Movet leaf, we man. We just had, yeah, came from a different block of Movet that was actually 2019 planting, which is why I identified it as a rosé block. Most of our expansion plantings that we planted in 2017, Double D is 100, um, or no, no, it's a 200-acre site. We have about 65 acres of it planted in, uh, in grapes. There's also 80 acres of apples down there. Um, and 28 acres of pears. <laughs> Look but, at you. Uh, some of these... You should have been an ag <laughs> major, young, man. You got it all down. Yeah. Well, I grew up... We're apple farmers, so I uh, I grew up doing a lot of this stuff, a lot of ag. I mean, I know. the last few days I've been on the tractors, so I, oh, I boy. do it all. <laughs> well, that's what's great about being a sommelier, taking these exams, where I can list off like 10 different apples from Washington State when we talk yeah. about <laughs> wine. Uh, delicious wine. So the 2017 Stratostone, and what's your website? Uh, www.rockypondwinery.com. Perfect. And uh, can you buy wine on the website? Absolutely. We also have a uh, mobile ordering service uh, through text message. Um, I'll have that number for you by the end of the, the, end of the, <laughs> the call right. today. I have it. I but uh, So Rocky Pond, you can go to the website there, and I'm sure you get directed to it. Um, so this Stratostone's Absolutely. probably $35? Um, 39, I believe. 39, okay. I'm in the ballpark. That's good. All right, final wine. The 2017 Syrah from Clos Cheval. Now, when was Clos Cheval planted? Uh, Clos Cheval was planted in two major plantings in 04 and 05, which for this area is relatively old. But right. for the industry, definitely young. What would you say and, that... Uh, the the variety of soil composition is is it all basalt is it or is it um, glacial till? This is we are one hundred percent outside of the boundaries of the Columbia River flood basalt, so there's no okay. basalt. Uh, and then the Lake Chelan AVA is uh, is all glacial till. Uh, it's very interesting. There's a lot of uh, volcanic pumice and ash from uh, Glacier Peak uh, eruptions. Right uh, in there, there's a lot of um, lo- wind blown lust, but there's also a lot of lake deposits when the glaciers were down here. Uh, as they slowly retracted, they formed some glacial lakes, and they refer to that as Glacial Lake Chelan. And there's a lot of the bottom of the lake top to, uh, type deposits higher up the, uh, the slopes, uh, much higher than the actual lake, the current lake level today. And that's oh. what a lot of the uh, ag where we're at is kind of composed of. But uh, we're down at Double D. It's all Columbia River, uh, Missoula flood kind of story down there, and a lot of river rock, just so much river rock where they're drastically different. But uh, it's easier to farm up in Lake Chelan, but definitely glacial till. Interesting. Uh, I know that Lake Chelan is the deepest lake in North America. Isn't that right? I think it's one of the uh, third deepest. Third. Oh boy, someone wanted to up one up us. I think it was <laughs> <laughs> it was the well, deepest while back. Points. Uh, I, I know all the Lake Chelan talking points. So there we go. Uh, lake Chelan is number three. You got. Uh, Tahoe number two and Crater Lake number one. All right, of course, Crater Lake. Yeah, who knows? That goes to China. Uh, <laughs> hey, I poured some of this 2017 Syrah. Now, this is fourth. Wait, 17, you said it was planted in fourth and five. So 12th leaf, which is cool. Uh, yeah, this stuff might be a little bit younger. I don't have the, oh, right. uh, the block map in front of me. But um, this was added down by the entrance uh, to Clos Cheval, which is the, also the same entrance that shares uh, the road up to Bear Mountain Golf Course. So this was these blocks were planted by the Schofields a little bit later to be more inviting and look like the scenery around uh, Clos Cheval. And Clos Cheval <laughs> is a very interesting site. We have 30-some blocks up there. It's all kinds of different slopes and orientations. This grows actually in this kind of cool little pocket uh, where we have north-south plantings, 
uh, and east-west plantings uh, in these two blocks. And really? what I really liked about this wine is uh, I hung the crop a little heavier, so it was about three and a half cents per acre. Uh, but then I co-fermented it with 6% Viognier from Cocheval as well. Uh, and it uh, adds a little bit of freshness and lightness to it. And uh, one of the first wines I made for Rocky Pond was the 2016 Syrah, and I actually inherited the barrels from Ron, and we ended up blending 20% Viognier into that Syrah. Oh, uh, wow. And it was so perfumey. That's Hermitage. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, just phenomenal. Um, I didn't want to go that big with this, and I wanted to do some co-fermentations. I hadn't done them for about six years, so I did them in a few vintages of Chelan. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, with the timing uh, sure. the variety. Uh, but I uh, went for it in this year, and I'm really, really happy with this wine. This wine yeah. is is delicious. Um, you know, I'm surprised. There, there's a whole variety, a whole palette of, of variables in Syrah here in Washington State. Of course, we've got the Rocks, which is a very unique terroir. Then we've got, of course, Yakima, which used to be the cool, more um, Bordelais, elegant, or uh, acidified, I don't want to say acidified, but a little more austere style because it's cooler. And then here we've got Columbia Valley, which is huge, right? 30,000 square miles. And Horse Heaven Hills. So, but this one is nice and juicy. This one is very pleasant. It's soft. It, it's it's very. It's kind of deftly um, a Syrah. It, it's just you get the pepper, and you got what ten percent new oak on that? No, twenty percent new oak. Uh, probably. I mean, it went into none of the barrels were new. Okay. Um, I I can't remember off the top of my head, but I would say it's fairly neutral. I don't think I really tried to stay away mm. in this first year uh, sure. from new oak, other than on uh, I put a little bit on our double D Syrah and some Cab. Because right. I really wanted to try to uh, figure out what the vineyards were expressing before I put any, any new wood on stuff. Awesome. Hey, um, w- the website again is Rocky Pond Winery. Correct. Dot com. You have events. Yeah. You have a tasting room. They're open now with the COVID thing. Everything's open. It's uh, kind of open. Yeah. Uh, we are open for pickups and uh, orders. We're, we're not doing formal tastings. Okay. Um, All right, cool. But you can uh, pick up wine at either place. Yeah. All right. Hey, folks, speaking with Shane Collins, winemaker for Rocky Pond Winery, right here on Happy Hour Radio. Some say three is a crowd. We say the more the merrier. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Weekdays, 9 to noon. KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, Puget Sound. Hey, Lake Chelan. Hope you're enjoying the broadcast. It is round three, and I am still with three bottles of wine, three glasses, and one cool cat. Shane Collins, the winemaker for Rocky Pond Winery, just uh, on the way to Orondo, about 25 minutes, you said west of Chelan, was that right? South of Chelan. South of Chelan, uh, jeez. 25 minutes north of Wenatchee. There we go, 25 minutes Right in the south. middle. All right, now, um, were you in the band, because you're a music minor, were you in the <laughs> band in high school? Uh, not in high school, I think I got out in junior high. But uh, I play, uh, I was in a, you know, not an official band, I was in a band that we call bench. I played the bass. I still play the bass. Oh, really? So you have a Fender a bass? bass. I had a Fender Squire bass back then. I have a five-string Fender bass now. I got an Ibanez, and then I, I got a um, oh, another an Ibanez uh, acoustic bass as well. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, look, I'm putting the band back together, man. We'll, I want a Washington <laughs> State band. I want. I want. Good, uh, you know, we want to play some rock songs. <laughs> all right. Well, I know all the Neil Diamond cover songs. Oh, you do. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, I know you're a, you were a choir boy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I know. I don't think I have any stuff down. I, 
I, I do most karaoke to Neil Diamond songs, though, but he's in my vocal range. So. There you go. How about that? <laughs> Me too. Uh, so fun. Uh, how many wines are you producing there with Rocky Pond now? Uh, quite a few. I just bottled 10 white wines and rosés, uh, and not all what? of that's available to the, through the tasting room. Um, Did uh, you carry that, that you carried that wine. Chelan bug with you, man? Cause I know Chelan is making 15, 18 wines. We're making a lot. Uh, I know it, it's really tough. I wanted to focus a little bit more, but I had the opportunity to make some new wines. We did a Roussan Marsan blend this year. Uh-huh. The Moved Rosé was new. Um, uh, we did a, a small amount of just uh, an, uh, a barrel Viognier Sir Lee, but some of these wines are just wine club. I mean, and they're literally thirty-two case runs, super small. Sure, um, it's the barrel. The bigger bulk stuff uh, we did, like our Glacial Treasure, our rosés, they're all over two hundred cases. Uh, we did a little bit of Pinot Gris, but yeah, we made a lot of wines this last year, and we're really uh, trying to focus on what we're going to do. But our biggest blend we do is called Glacial Treasure. Uh, it's mostly Clocheval fruit, and it's a little off dry at 0.7, uh, but it's our best seller by far. Uh, and then I make uh, about six, or I made five rum. And that's a white, dinner. right? That's a white? That's a white. That's yeah. a white, yeah. Okay. Uh, and people are absolutely eating up the rosés. We make the Moved rosé that we're tasting. This is one of the best ones. Good. Super good. It's, I'm really happy with it. And then our Pinot Noir rosé, it's off dry, and people, the consumers that are coming to our tasting rooms, uh, really eat that one up. And they're actually buying it over our dry rosés two to one. <laughs> well, you know, but, uh, we, it okay. just makes it so much more fun with that little bit of sugar. I get it. It's like, mmm, this one, the yeah. fruit. It accents the fruit because they both have pretty good Absolutely. acidity, of, of well, course. Was, uh, the sommelier who works for the Washington Wine Commission, I believe his name's Chris Tangy. Chris uh, Tangy, yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, I was at a seminar he did at Chase Washington a few years ago, and he was trying to encourage everyone to be more accepting of a little bit of residual sugar in the wines, and specifically Riesling, because it makes the wines better. It brings out so much more of the bouquet and the richness of the wine, and he's right. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a, a certain amount that you can do before it becomes overpowering, but a little touch can really... Right, because our brains are used to it. Our brains acknowledge these molecules, these phenolic molecules that tell us that that's banana smell. That means it tastes this way. So, um, of course, a little sugar, (laughs) a spoonful of sugar helps. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Do you have events coming up? And do you have a uh, a, you have a tasting room there? But uh, I know Chelan, the winery had uh, you had bands, you had a restaurant. What's going Uh on at Rocky Pond? Yep, Uh, at the Chelan tasting room, it's all kind of tentative right now. We don't want to commit too much because we don't know what's going on but right now we have thursday night concerts kind of picking back up at the end of july uh we do have a concert at the pond brian james scheduled for july 5th um and we're still kind of waiting to see we need to see what the next week or two look like uh what kind of uh what we're going to be allowed to have for amount of people uh but on the original phase plan it looked like we could do that now we're not 100 percent sure so because of the state of the world right now it's a lot of unknowns unfortunately. right uh, but we've done a couple of virtual concerts. Uh, um, really? To, uh, yeah. I can't think of his name. Nick Grow. Um, he's done a couple um, on Thursday nights, which is the normal night. We do um, music in Chelan. Well, every, I think it was the third Thursday we would have a live band here in Chelan through, throughout the year other than the summer. Right. And then it's every Thursday. Wow. But if you check out our Facebook or our events page, uh, you can have the most current list, and that's probably the best place to go. RockyPondWinery.com. Is that right? That is correct. Cool, brother. Hey, man, this has been so fun. I'm glad we had a chance to talk. We talked about, you know, this whole idea about a year plus ago, and then 
yeah. boom. But it worked out, I think, uh, you know, because everything is telecommuting or telehosting or zooming, and here we are on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, what a pleasure. Uh, Shane Collins, thanks so much for spending time with me. Congratulations on your new gig, and keep up the great work with Rocky Pond Winery. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking to you, Chris. All right. Thanks, pal. Take care. You know what's funny is that some of my friends say they always have a challenge finishing a bottle of wine, so they got to figure out how long it'll last. Uh, I've never really had that problem. But as always, I get some cool things across my desk. And the first one here today is called Repour Wine Saver. And I actually have the inventor, Tom Lutz, is calling out of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. A Tom Lutz, uh, PhD chemist. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Oh, thank you. Great, great to be here. My pleasure. Um, I, I saw this uh, report idea, and it was really kind of interesting. It's one. Of, it looks like a, a cork stopper, but it also looks like a cork pour. Tell me, um, how did you come up with this idea of of trying to save wine? Yeah, my my wife and I had a newborn son. Uh, this was about five years ago. He was two weeks old. Um, I was letting my wife kind of get some rest, and in the middle of the night, I was starting to think about a half a bottle of wine that we just poured down the drain. Uh, and as a chemist, I started thinking, you know, there's got to be a better way of getting oxygen out of the wine. Oxygen's why wine goes bad, uh, other than these things that just try to push air out of the way. And that's really where the idea started from. Uh, and I started playing my chemistry knowledge and how we could get oxygen out of the bottle uh, to keep your wine fresh. Interesting. So I'm curious. It must have been a pretty nice bottle of wine that went bad because you were probably weren't worried about a two buck chuck or I know. <laughs> well, do you remember what that bottle was? You know, honestly, I have no idea. It was uh, I've always liked problem solving and finding uh, solutions to real world problems, and I think it was just my an idle want an idle mind in the middle of the night. I see. Okay, very good. So you are a PhD in chemistry. Are you a uh, are you uh, what is it a cyclone or is it a Hawkeye? You know, I actually grew up in Wisconsin, so I'm a Badger. Fan. Oh, hey, yeah, uh, on so on I, Wisconsin. I'll, I'll root for Iowa when I'm here, but yep. <laughs> Did you grow up? Were you born in Wisconsin? I was, yep, northern Wisconsin. All right, I was born in just outside of Milwaukee, Wauwatosa, so uh, I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a cheesehead uh, at heart, but a, a Seahawks fan. We always like beating them like a Green Bay goddess. Anyway, um, so this is a very interesting item, because it, it, it fooled me at first. When I thought about repour, I really thought it was one of those things you put in your bottle, and then you can just pour it out, and it either aerates it or does something, um, but... I was sitting here trying to figure out how to get the cap off, and the cap doesn't come off. Tell me about this design. Yeah, so we really try to make it easy, really easy to use. So to use it, uh, <laughs> it's as simple as removing a foil. Too easy to use, bottle, I guess. Right? So, yeah. Well, and that was the interesting part because um, it's basically a plastic top with a uh, a, a rubber uh, gasket what you put into the, or a, um, it looks like a, a pour spout you put into the bottle. Now, there is a little foil piece. Um, tell me, this is always reminds me of what makes the batteries, you know, you activate the batteries, you pull that little piece out so that they finally get contact. What's the, what's this with this little foil piece here? Yeah. So inside of that plastic stopper is a, is a material that absorbs oxygen. So, and it can only, it's kind of like a tank of gas. It's only got so much capacity to it. Mm. Um, so we have to keep that foil seal on it. So it's ready for you to put in your bottle. Um, but one stopper is good for one bottle of wine. Cause once you've removed all the oxygen from the wine, that, active ingredients been chewed up kind of like an empty tank of gas it's not going to do anymore after that so it, okay uh, that, that foil seal is just to keep the ingredient active until you're ready to save your wine and uh, how did you know is there a certain amount of material can i get a bigger one if i want to do a, a three liter bottle <laughs> or is this one size kind of for now one bottle yeah really one bottle um you know i like to think of the bottle in reverse 
So if you, there's enough uh, material in there to res- remove all the oxygen from 1,500 milliliters of air. Okay. So one glass of wine gone is 150 milliliters of air. Two is 300. Oh, I three see. Three is 450. Four is 600. Yeah, that up. It's yeah. 1,500 milliliters of air. Okay, very so that's good. That's how we designed it. Was around that notion of glass by glass over five pours. Makes sense. And uh, it, what a name! I'm surprised you were able to find repour.com and the website's up. Website's working. It is, yeah. You're even on yep. Twitter yep. at Repour Wine Saver. Too fun. Speaking with Tom Lutz. The founder, originator, father of Repor of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hey, we're going to stick around. We're going to talk more about this cool invention right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round four. I actually have a packet of four, quantity four, report wine savers and the mad scientist, producer, founder, Tom Lutz, who is uh, the founder or creator of Report.com. This is a uh, an oxygen-eating device that you put on the top of your wine bottle when uh, those uh, very unlikely days that you can't finish a bottle or something. Tom, tell me, this is pretty nifty. Are you a, uh, a designer, too, or just uh, how did you figure out the design? Because it reminds me of something from Egypt, which is really pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I've spent a lot of my professional career in consumer product development, um, making different products ranging from liquid laundry detergents to fish tank products. Uh, so I understood a lot of the product design portion of it. The big challenge was getting the chemistry right and making sure uh, it actively and really does a good job saving your wine. So for about a year, I uh, developed all the science behind it, had these really ugly prototypes that looked kind of space-aged and crazy. Some of them were my kids' broken down Legos to make them work. <laughs> um, and then, and then once we knew it worked and worked really well, we did a blind taste test with a bunch of sommeliers and really discovered how well it worked. Uh, then it was time to put it into the pretty packaging and make the the official uh, product that you see. Um, but it's all made here in the U.S. Uh, and injection molding for the plastic and producing the product is all made here in Iowa. Very cool, and I see you have patent pending. So you you have a special material in there that no one else knows about right now until somebody gets their hands on it, breaks it open, and has you know spends millions of dollars in research trying to copy you. Is that right? Yeah, and it's actually patented now, which I'm pretty Ooh, excited to say. Hey. The, the, the packaging you have is a little bit older, so we need to get that updated. But uh, yeah, it is patented. Um, you know, it turns out that oxygen absorbers are used in the food industry around us. So. Uh, it kind of tweaks some of that science and chemistry right. in combination with the design you see is what's patented. Yep. Sure. Um, so I'm curious, when you had this sommelier experiment, did you actually you know, pour them a glass of wine that, that was the fifth glass of wine or the fifth taste per se? They went through the whole process. I'm curious, like a day-by-day day day thing to see if it really worked? Uh, you had a control group yeah, and then a... No, we had a control wine. Uh, Samalai set it up wine to everyone. Um, they did a two-day and seven-day. Wines were fresh, two days old and seven days old in the, in the tasting. Three different or five different wines, I believe it was. Ah. Um, and it was wine to the whole group. So there was five of them blind tasting. 
Uh, and the general consensus was they couldn't tell any statistical difference between freshly open bottle, two-day-old, and seven-day-old wine. Very good. And I'm surprised. Um, have you thought about having perhaps a little color thing? You know, the the repour turns white when it's all used up because it. You know, I would imagine people would. It just looks like this society. We're, we don't like throwing things away, so I think people might want to use it longer. But uh, there's no. There's really no way to know if unless you, you're tasting the wine. Is that right? It is, and but then you know if you go too far, your wine's gone bad. We're trying to work on a kind of an indicator like that, but at this point, it's you know one stopper is good for one full bottle of wine, um, and when you're done with the wine, we suggest you toss out the stopper as well. Okay. Now, um, as a sommelier myself, I'm curious, and you're a chemistry PhD. Can you make me a little litmus piece of paper that can test for t- trichloranazole? I don't know. That's an interesting one. If you worked hard enough, I suppose we probably could. Yeah, I mean, because that's, to me, that's like, well, they should always be on there because a lot of people don't like the wine, but they don't know that it's cork, so it's not necessarily the wine. It's just that, you know, of course, the the little compound got in there and affected it. And now you're a big wine person. You're in Iowa. I've been to Iowa, and they've got some wines there which are are cute, a little sweet. Um, But you actually like some Pacific Northwest wines. Do you have a favorite winery in Washington or a favorite uh, region or some great vintages yeah i you know i i really just love the northeast altogether i mean oregon or washington both and i'm a huge fan of um just the climate there the wines you guys are producing are tremendous all right different category than what we're getting here in iowa (laughs) that's true a little different demographic too well this has been super fun um so what's the price uh what's the cost for quantity of four comes in a little box so this must be 12 bucks 14 bucks yeah, you'll get an eight ninety nine, nine nine ninety nine on our website somewhere in that range. Um, the best value is a ten pack for seventeen ninety nine, so you're at about a dollar eighty a bottle. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm well. If, if you're spending it on a hundred dollar bottle, then it makes total sense, right? Absolutely. So I don't yeah, know if I'd waste yeah. it on the two buck chuck, <laughs> unless of course you know that's your budget and maybe that's what what rings your bell. Um, this has been really fun for me. So the, the website is called report.com and. Uh, uh, congratulations. Have you have national distribution yet? Uh, you know, we're mainly self-distributing. We had, do have some distributors around the country and, and around the world, but the uh, best place to get us is on our website, just report.com. Awesome. Well, I'm going to share this with some of my sommelier friends and, and wine lovers, and so I'll do my part here in the Pacific Northwest, and you keep working on your part there. Tom Lutz uh, with report.com, the wine saver, uh, oxygen-absorbing, uh, what we call it, a cork topper something? Uh, wine preserver. Is what wine I call preserver. It. Just like a life preserver, it's invaluable. Hey, Tom Lutz, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Hey, folks, hope you liked it. Uh, you know, these are pretty cool. I, if you have a nice bottle of wine, you don't want to spend, you know, 150 bucks on a Corvain or 300 bucks. this is what you need. Um, I'm excited to taste, to taste it, <laughs> to try it. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, when you're out and about, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers! Cheers!